You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Walker Mail, Nada Edwards, and Doug Branson all joining you here. You can catch all of us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Nada the Scribe, and at Doug Branson LOH. You can catch the show handle at Locked On Hornets on most of the social media platforms. And we'll head to the podcast guest line now and talk with Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. You can catch him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks again so much for joining us. How's it going? Oh, sure thing. Very good, Walker. And good to hear, Rick. And you look at what the Hornets have done so far this season, and you know they've had uh, the one bad loss to the Bulls, but they make it up with the revenge game. They got the Miami Heat tonight, and it looks like the last couple of games here, Rick. Kimba Walker has really had to carry the load once again, and, and nothing really new here with Kimba, but there has been a legitimate lack of second scoring option outside of Kimba Walker. Malik Monk and Jeremy Lamb, a couple guys that maybe could have provided that for you, just have not done it on a consistent basis. How much is that holding this team back? Walker, it, uh, it kind of blew my mind this morning when I did a little research league-wide. Um, Kemba is second in the NBA in scoring, obviously. Um, here's where the second and third Hornets scoring options rank league-wide. Jeremy Lamb is 114th in the league at 11.4 points. Malik Monk is 119th at 11 points. Um, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I think about this. It made perfect sense tactically when James Borrego set out his priorities before the, the preseason started and said that he wanted to bring Kemba somewhat off the ball, so he was constantly not having to, you know, both be the primary facilitator and the primary scorer. It made great sense that he was enforcing more ball movement and that he was going to try to really ask them to make more of an effort to get some early offense. The reality is that those tactics are only as effective as the personnel allow them to be. And, you know, there was a, there was a really nice moment in the fourth quarter when Malik hit those two big jump shots um, in Miami. The reality is we have yet to see anything vaguely resembling a consistent second scoring option on this team, and that's going to continue to be a big deal because it certainly significantly contributes to the problems this team has had over the last few years um, winning close games down the stretch. Rick, when Malik Monk came out of the draft, there were so many comparisons to guys like Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams with just the slender body type and also the scoring mentality, but not the efficiency being there a whole lot as well. Rick, do you think that's a fair comparison, and do you expect that kind of career outlook for Malik? Um, I will tell you, Walker, that I think that Lou Williams is clearly the best analogy to what he is and what he could be. Um, I've heard that it's, it's remarkable how many times I hear that, you know, Lou Williams' names connected to him when I talk to advanced scouts or player personnel people from other organizations. Um, I, you know what I really like is Nick Batum said something to me about, about Malik that I think is both really interesting and very accurate. 
Um, Nick said to me after the Miami game, he doesn't care, and I mean that in a good way, and I knew exactly what he meant. One of the things you adore about Kemba Walker is he feels completely comfortable taking the, the, the last shot that decides the game one way or the other and living with the consequences. I think Malik is wired similarly. Now, the difference, obviously, is so far, you know, obviously there's a body of work about Kemba that suggests that he's going to, you know, win his fair share of those, you know, win-or-go-home things. And we're still waiting on the NBA level for Malik to produce that way. But I like his personality type. I like the way he's wired. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. And, Rick, another young player on this team that's actually been getting a lot of minutes the last couple of games. It's been Miles Bridges, 26 minutes against Chicago, 30 against the Philadelphia 76ers, and he's made an impact. What have you made of what Miles Bridges has shown you the last couple of games? Well, as long as you're willing to let me stick the asterisk next to what I'm about to say with it's a small sample size, but... The fact that Malik, that I'm sorry, that Miles is shooting 63% from the field and 43% from three-point range is really striking. Um, you know, we, it, it's interesting that we're segueing from second scoring option to Miles because it's unfair to put that responsibility on him now, early in his rookie season. But hypothetically, he might be as good an alternative as they will have long-term to creating a, somebody who could be really dangerous in the half court when all the defense is focused on Kemba. Rick, when you see what Kemba has done at the beginning of this season, we've been getting questions about it on the Locked on Hornets podcast, and I know you do a mailbag column, and you have to ask uh, answer a lot of questions as well, but what we've been getting is Kemba's chances at a possible all-NBA team selection this year. Now, the, the start has been so good for him. It, how, what are the chances, you think, that Kemba could beat out a lot of good point guards in this league and actually maybe make a third all-NBA team? Um, obviously, the biggest argument to that is I think you could argue that Kemba is as important to um, the Hornets' um, chances this season of making the playoffs as almost any player in the league. You know, and you know that's a fairly small circle of people who are that essential and central to an entire team. It's, it's you know that that's that we're talking about LeBron in those kind of situations. Um, the the counter-issues in there are obviously that I think it's as hard for a point guard to make all-NBA team as it is, you know, any, any position. And the other problem, whether this is fair or not, is that, you know, how the Hornets fare as a team. Do they get into the playoff draw? You know, do they... Um, you know, do they um, um, uh, finish the season strong? Those are probably pretty significant factors in how Kemba is perceived in that All-NBA um, uh, balloting that aren't necessarily entirely in his control. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Rick, just a couple more for you. It, you wrote an article about this, and it has been fascinating to see what Borrego has done with the center rotation. What, what have you noticed about what he's done so far, mixing in guys like Cody Zeller, Billy Hernan Gomez, and maybe the lack thereof of Frank Kaminsky and other bigger guys? 
that he has a cast of thousands and no stars at that spot. Um, I always thought that once he decided who the starting shooting guard was going to be, that the hardest decision he was going to have to make was who would and would not play at center. Um, you know, Cody is a good, solid NBA player. Um, he is not going to be a, a, a guy who is so clearly um, strong as a starter in this league that he's going to play 35 minutes a night and just, you know, solve your problem all by himself. Uh, they have four guys that are pretty good. And there's also, you know, like as you mentioned, Borrego is going with a small ball element sometimes that puts Marvin and even MKG at, quote, center. Um, to me, this is like that NFL analogy that if you have two starting quarterbacks, you have none. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us here. And one more question for you, Rick. Just looking at the season so far, you got four home games in a row here. You've got a really home front-loaded schedule. When you look at the schedule overall and then you account for how many home games they have really on the front end of all of this, how does that affect your outlook of this team? Well, Walker, let's push that projection out even further. 17 of the next 24 games are at Spectrum Center. We're going to know an awful lot about their playoff uh, chances by the first of the year. That is, it's a little more extreme than usual this season, but not dramatically so. It's just a reality of the balancing act between the Charlotte Hornets being a, a basketball team and a business. They manage Spectrum Center. It's Fred Whitfield's job to book of, as many events as is reasonably possible in that building. This year you've got the All-Star game here, and, you know, that means that the Hornets are going to have to vacate the building for the week before that event to get it ready. The CIAA tournament, as usual, is here. The ACC men's basketball tournament is here as well. Um, when you pack those events into the schedule, it was inevitable that the Hornets would have to front-load an awful, a very large portion of their 41 home games um, in the uh, in November and December, and we're seeing that. That is not going to lo allow for slow starts. If they don't make a whole lot of hay right here and right now, regardless of you know whether they're still trying to figure some things out, it's going to be a challenge to make the playoffs. Would you not agree? No, absolutely. they got to take advantage of these games and certainly games like tonight against the Miami Heat where they're probably going to be battling for one of those last playoff spots. These are the games that matter, and certainly even more so when they're at the Spectrum Center. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Again, you can catch all of his work that he tweets out at Rick underscore Bennell. Also subscribe to the Charlotte Observer. You can do that at charlotteobserver.com. Rick, thanks so much for joining us once again, man. We'll talk to you later. Absolutely, Walker. You have a great day. All right, you too, Rick. Thanks again for joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community. For as little as $1 a month, you can help us keep making the daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode. You can get entered into our contest for free bobbleheads and tickets and get access to content before anyone else. Patreon.com slash LOH. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. Thanks again for joining us here on a Tuesday. We'll be back in just one moment. I'm Walker Mail alongside Nada Edwards and Doug Branson. You're listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. 
This is Locked on Hornets. I can't tell you on wax. I will explain. <laughs> you got your sources? I have. Can you explain what on wax means? I can't tell you on wax right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. play the Miami Heat, of course, at home tonight. And if you're looking to put some action on tonight's game, look no further than my bookie. I've been working with them for the past couple of years, and that site, it's extremely easy to use. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player might score each. So what you're going to do is join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. You can use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Again, visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E, and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. My bookie once again will match the listener's first deposit 100% up to $1,000. The Charlotte Hornets. Four-point favorites tonight. Nada. We really? like to do the spread in these. So, four-point favorite, the Hornets are. Uh, are you going to take them? I am not taking Hornets minus four. Taking no. the, are you taking the Hornets to win and the Heat cover? Are you taking the Heat to win? I am taking the Heat to at least cover. But you like the Hornets to win? No, I'm Talk not sure. <laughs> what? No. Come on, Nada. You're not. You're not very good at Vegas, are you? No, I'm. I'm good at making sure that I keep my money in my pocket. That's probably the right thing to do. No, I. I think the Hornets cover tonight. I think with them being at home, Miami is on the second night of a back to back. I do wonder how much that has a factor when it's this early in the season. Agreed. Like this isn't January. This no. isn't the second of a uh, second night of a back to back. Once you're in January, so I'm interested to see how much of a factor that actually has in this. But I'll take the Hornets. You can put it. You can book it. I'll take the Hornets tonight. When so when they disappoint you again, so we have a fire show I'm, coming have, up Wednesday. Right. <laughs> yeah, like we gonna have some fun talking about that. I, I've not been very good at picking against the spread or picking the spread uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. So just looking at this game tonight and and looking at. What we just heard from Rick Bennell, Nada. What did you find most interesting on some of those comments that Rick and I talked about earlier? The big thing with you and Rick that really kind of resonated with me is that Miles Bridges might end up being the second scorer long term out of default because we have two guys that are 114th and 119th in terms of scoring. How, how, how unbelievable is that? No, it's believable if you've watched this team. Well, I mean, just just having that those two guys be that far down, just having a second scoring option with this kind of team be that far down on all of the scores out there in the NBA. And here we felt pretty good about Malik Monk stepping up, and it's kind of directly translated to success that he brought up that Miami game. We always bring it up and certainly have the last week or so where Malik – he you know stepped up for Kimba and actually hit a couple shots, and they were able to win that game and. That was something directly correlated with how they were able to go to somebody else. And now, you know, the last couple of games, you haven't had very and you haven't had very many consistent scoring options outside of Kimba. And they've lost a couple of games because of that. You know, against Chicago, Chicago's such a bad team, they shouldn't have lost to in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then so here at home, they took care of business. And you got to see Miles Bridges in the fourth quarter get a lot of run, even though that game was already decided at that point. And then against Philadelphia, you got to see Miles get some 
legitimate run in a game that was not decided at any point until pretty much triple zeros hit on that fourth quarter. So when you saw Miles Bridges in there playing meaningful minutes, Rick Bennell said, Maybe down the road, Nada. Miles can be that guy that's the second option, and he is shooting pretty damn well from the field right now. Exactly. That 40-something percent from the from three and then 60 from the floor kind of pops out at you when you look at the rest of the shooting percentages for the rest of this team. The fact that he's been this good this early, despite his defense defensive issues, is one of those things that's relatively amazing at this point. And the fact that we have a guy that potentially could be the second scorer. And I'm hoping another step goes forward to that growth tonight where he didn't play in the, against the Heat, I believe. He didn't get many much run because you were afraid to play him tonight. I'm hoping that we get, we see another, basically another step in the growth of Miles Bridges. Tonight. What you saw from the Heat last night against the Sacramento Kings was a loss. They did lose to the Kings at home and surprise the Kings have actually not been that bad. They're actually four and three, including a two and two away record. So yeah. the Sacramento Kings actually maybe being one of the more surprising teams to come out of the gate. And they had a couple of 20 point scores. Willie Colley Stein getting 26. De'Aaron Fox has been looking good so far early this season. He had 20 points. Buddy Heald had 23. So they allowed a few guys to go off and then looking at Miami Josh Richardson had 31 against Sacramento but only had seven against the Hornets the first go around so not that much of a factor the first go around yes that's true because they got him in the early foul trouble right so and that's a big thing if he plays more than seven minutes then <laughs> this might be a little bit more interesting plus they're getting a little bit healthier I think justice is supposed to be back for this game. I'm if I'm not mistaken. So Dwayne Wade had a really nice game against the Hornets in the mm -hmm. first go round. Only eight last night, and you would expect more Dwayne Wade to be scoring eight points for the rest of the season, not the twenty six I believe he had against the Hornets the first go round. Uh, it's the Hornets and it's Dwayne Wade. It is. You're right. I Someone mean, make sure that purple shirt guy yeah, is nowhere. Hey, within get the him vicinity. out of here. Get him out of here. Get anybody that is even wearing. You can't wear purple. Wear purple on a different night. Yes, we please. we embrace purple on a different night. Maybe not Nada. Y'all embrace. I embrace purple. purple on any other night. Don't wear purple tonight because it just it's like a bull that sees red. Dwayne yeah. Wade will charge and then he will score and he will beat the Charlotte Hornets and then it will be our fault because we all wore purple. Exactly, so, and I will blame you on this podcast if I see it. <laughs> yes. I will blame. We will you. come after you. And so now Dwayne Wade coming out again having a great game against the Hornets. You know, it's funny like Doug Branson. Like, player hates Dwayne Wade so much. I don't blame him. I kind of do, too. <laughs> because he kills the Hornets every time he faces them. So hopefully that the Hornets are able to keep him in check. Rodney Magruder had a good game against the Hornets. Sneaky, the efficient assist yeah. guy. He's their Batum when you really start thinking about it. Six assists last night, but also did have a good game against the Hornets the first go around. And again, it was Kimba hitting that free throw and Malik hitting a couple of shots down the stretch in order to seal that victory. So we'll see if they can go 2-0 and on the Heat this season, and then they don't face the Heat for a long time. So this is the only time that you control your destiny against this particular team, and then you don't face them for a while. You have to go very deep into the season before you get to see those flames again. And interesting, Thankfully. Right, and real quickly, Nada, uh, before we take a quick break, we talked with Rick about that front-loaded home schedule. I believe he said, what, 17 of the next 27? 17 of the said? next 24. 24, excuse me. 17 of the next 24 games all at home, and then he went into the schedule, which I didn't even think about, right? But we went into what 
has gone on that has been yeah. organized at the Spectrum Center, the CIAA tournament. All-Star Weekend is going to be here. There's yep. a bunch of stuff happening in downtown Charlotte, which is great for the area. I'm kind of excited about what's going on You're here in uptown. Right. It'll be it'll be pretty fun. But the Charlotte Hornets, and they don't have a ton of home games in the back end of all this, and you wonder how much that hurts them. Always going to hurt them a lot. I'm personally excited. Like I, I, I feel bad for the Hornets. I'm going to be at the all-star parties for dimes. So you know what? <laughs> I'm happy. I'm stoked. That's what really all that matters to me. I'm sorry, guys. All right. Well, as long as I get an invite, I don't mind. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We'll come back with our Patreon question of the day. A big thanks to Andrew. We'll get to his question on the other side of the break. It's Walker Mail, not Edwards. You're listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Hmm. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down to day, nothing gold can stay. We need the boys to mend with that now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug ditching us again today, not even traveling, just here in the QC. Well, I don't blame him today. He, he's getting some technical stuff for the show done, so I don't really blame him today. Normally, I would be like, look, blame Doug. This is all his fault. He should be here. <laughs> today, I don't blame him. So busy, that guy, traveling all over the place. And Better him get, than me. No, yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad it's not me traveling all over the place. It's fun, but at some point it just be get, becomes too much. So let's go to our Patreon question of the day. A big thanks to Andrew for writing in to us. He says, quote, Every close game, I'm fascinated to see who Borrego chooses to have as his closing lineup. Any thoughts on what Charlotte's most effective closing unit has been? Nada, we did some homework. We did some research on this. We one, went to the stats. One, Borrego's just kind of crazy and unorthodox with his lineups at the end of this. Where Steve Clifford has a set lineup, Borrego has not had a set five guys that he knows that he's going to stick with at the end of these games. And so it seems like he's still exploring his rotation in general, including mm-hmm. the game-closing lineups. And that includes who he closes with, right? So he's, he's very matchup-oriented. Yes, he is. Clifford looked early to find a solid playing group to close with for the last five, four minutes or so, the last exactly. little bit no, of the quarter. Like, like, literally, there was rotations. You knew at the eight-minute mark, Kemba Walker was going to be in the lineup. At the at certain points, in the, again, Nick Batum would start the second quarter with the, set, with the backups. There were set rotations. There were things that you could basically set your watch to when it came to the Charlotte Hornets under Steve Clifford. Now it's different. Now it's a matchup thing. And Borrego has always said this. Borrego said this since day one. I'm going to go with the team that competes the hardest. And some nights, it's going to be Billy Hernan Gomez. Other nights, we're going to break out Bismack Biombo to match up against Joel Embiid. I mean, it's a nice, nice little mix. And basically, you can't expect anything because 
there are so many question marks with this roster. So you go to Philadelphia, you see Bismack Biombo out there getting some serious run because they needed his size against guys like Joel Embiid. And, and Billy Hernan Gomez would have gotten cooked. Yeah, and, and he would have. So you go out with Bismack Biombo, and they've tried a bunch of different small ball lineups You know, against the Milwaukee Bucks. It was the small ball lineup that got him back mm-hmm. into that game. And I think they made a late substitution for Billy Hernan Gomez, remember, because Cody didn't get any run against the Milwaukee Bucks at home. And it was Co- and it was Billy who was got Billy. some run. Yeah, it was yeah. Billy at the first uh, first game of the season at home against Milwaukee. That it was a late game substitution. So against the Chicago Bulls in the game that they lost, which was actually another close game that you have to look at outside of Philadelphia, and mm-hmm. the most recent one where they had a chance to win that. The lineup that was most used in the fourth quarter it was Nicholas Batum, Marvin Williams, Kimball Walker, Tony Parker. And Miles Bridges. So a couple of different guys with TP and Miles Bridges being used. And then they used a little bit of a different combination when they decided to put Billy Hernan Gomez or MKG, I should say, excuse me, subbing late in that game. And also you had a little Malik Monk at the end of that game. So he he actually switched it up a little bit at the end of that Chicago Bulls game uh, a couple of different times. And you saw what the closing lineup was. And Philadelphia brings in Biombo. You just never know what you're going to get. We're basically saying, guys, and Andrew, this is a really good question. The answer is there really is no answer. There is no answer. There really isn't. Steve Clifford had his guys, and Borrego is still looking. And he's been self-admitted to that, right? Yes, I mean, he's he, very he, much admitted to that. Whoever's going to give him the best chance to compete is going to be out there. Yeah, And it's the high-energy guys, which is why I think you're getting to see Miles Bridges and the fact that he's producing. But it's the high-energy guy like Miles Bridges. It, it, it's the classic coach, give me all your effort, go die for the loose ball type thing. And Miles is giving it to him. And with everybody else, else that is playing hard is going to see the most time on the court and that's why mkg has seen some time on the court a little bit more than maybe some people thought he would at the beginning of the season yeah yeah some people thought i know i, I, I exactly i'm going to break my arm patting myself on you, the back you are one. i mean it's already off it might as well have fallen off based on how many times you've done that already. yes i'm sorry i well actually no not sorry i'm going to be bragging about that one for a little bit because I, I warned everybody all right, so we'll see what the Charlotte Hornets do against the Miami Heat tonight. They need a win here tonight at home against a team again that they're going to be battling with for that eight. Everybody start thinking three and one on this road trip on this home four game homestand over the next week. That's what you need, right? Three and one. That's what, that's exactly what three I and one would be what you need. Anything less than that is a disappointment. That means there's at least one disappointing loss either a- tonight. Or well, OKC is the one that maybe not be disappointing, even though they're struggling out of the gate. But OKC, then it's Cleveland. I'm worried then, about that Cleveland game. Well, <laughs> well Cleveland. I mean, if Cle- Cleveland has been a disaster so far. Yes, but how much? Again, here's the thing that you got to think about in, in our early preview of Cleveland. How much is the are the players going to be like? This is not my fault. This is on the coach. That kind of game will always scare me. Well, and no, you're right about that, but they don't have Kevin Love either, and that's certainly going to hurt Cleveland as well. So I think all would signs would point to Charlotte winning that one, and then it's Atlanta. That would be the last one. So OKC, I think that would be the most accepted loss by yes. all of us, and if that's the only loss that they have in this next four games, I think we'll live with that. So thanks again for listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be, we'll be back with a Charlotte Hornet and Miami Heat recap tomorrow. Thanks again for checking us out. See you guys. <laughs>